This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Donald Trump sued America's Department of Justice in an effort to freeze an investigation into confidential documents he allegedly stashed at Mar-a-Lago, his Florida estate. The former president wants a third-party special master appointed to review the evidence. He also demanded the FBI return items removed during a search of his home if they were beyond the scope of its warrant. The New York Times reported that more than 300 classified documents had been recovered, some bearing top-secret markings. Mr Trump said the raid was politically motivated. Malaysia's federal court upheld the conviction of Najib Razak, the former prime minister, on charges related to a multi-billion dollar corruption scandal at One Malaysia Development Berhad, a state fund. Mr Najib was found guilty in July 2020 of illegally receiving about $10 million from a former unit of One MDB, charges that he denies. He was sentenced to 12 years in jail and a fine of 210 million ringgit equivalent to $46.8 million. Shares on both the Nasdaq Composite and the S&P 500 indexes closed down by more than 2% in advance of a gathering of Federal Reserve bigwigs in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, later this week. Wall Street had rallied impressively during the third quarter. However, investors are apparently worried that the Fed will use the meeting to entrench America's hawkish monetary policy. Tech stocks were particularly hard hit. Growth in Japan's manufacturing sector slowed to its lowest level since January 2021, as stuttering global demand, rising costs and the continuing effects of the COVID-19 pandemic hit the country's factories. Ojibun Bank's Purchasing Managers Index, a key benchmark, fell from 52.1 in July to 51 in August. Preliminary readings showed. Australia's government will allow the construction of a fertiliser plant near an important Aboriginal heritage site on Western Australia's Burrup Peninsula. Some of the rock carvings, which include what are thought to be the oldest images of a human face, can now be moved to allow for construction. The plant's backers, Perdaman Industries, said the 4.5 billion Australian dollar urea plant will create 2,000 local jobs. Thousands of people in Haiti marched through Port-au-Prince, the capital, demanding the resignation of the Prime Minister, Ariel Henry, and an end to escalating poverty and violence. Police fired tear gas to quell the protest, during which a demonstrator was killed. Annual inflation is now 29%. Some basic food prices have more than quadrupled. Gang violence and kidnappings have also increased. Elon Musk subpoenaed the co-founder and former CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, as part of his attempt to tear up a deal in which he agreed to buy the social media network for $44 billion. Mr Musk backed out of the agreement in July, accusing Twitter of misrepresenting the number of bots and spam accounts on its platform. The two sides have since sued each other. Their trial is set to begin in October. And... Fact of the day. 2,700. The estimated number of people killed because of terrorist violence in Mali so far this year. 
40% more than in all of 2021. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Eurozone's Autumn of Discontent If recent surveys are any indication, growth in the Eurozone is about to start slowing. The services sector, which had bounced back from a slowdown caused by the pandemic, is flagging as the tourist season ends. A severe energy crunch has probably already sent the industry into recession. Tuesday's release of Purchasing Managers Index figures, which track economic activity, will add to the gloomy mood. A further decline would be a headache for Europe's politicians and monetary authorities alike. Governments are already under pressure to combat soaring energy bills with price caps and cash transfers. A weaker economy could dry up tax revenues. Businesses may start asking for tax cuts or cash compensation, too. The European Central Bank knows that interest rate increases, while necessary to contain inflation, will inflict economic pain. The autumn of discontent may begin early this year. China's JD.com trots forward. The worst is over for China's embattled tech companies, but so is the best. Their share prices have bounced back from lows in March, but remain far below their peaks in early 2021. The ferocity of the long regulatory crackdown on the sector, including fines for unfair competition and stricter policing of data, has diminished somewhat. But China's equally relentless fight against COVID-19 has also hurt business. Alibaba and Tencent both reported a decline in their revenues last quarter, compared with a year earlier. JD.com, a third tech giant, releases its results on Tuesday. Unlike many tech companies, it owns much of its distribution network, employing over 220,000 delivery staff. That may help shield it from supply chain disruption and win it some political goodwill. But the company's growth will still be bridled. As one of its executives recently put it, there will be no return to, quote, riding the horse without holding the reins. Russia tries to set Syria straight. While its war rages in Ukraine, Russia is struggling to stabilize its conflict-battered satellite in the Middle East, the Syrian regime of Bashar al-Assad. Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, is meeting his Syrian counterpart, Faisal Maqdad, in Moscow on Tuesday. Syria wants assurances that Russia will not divert more forces away from Mr. Assad's civil war to the front in Ukraine. The Wagner Group, a shadowy Russian-backed private security contractor in Syria, has already scaled back its operations. Syria's cash-poor government also desperately needs grain. But Russia has demands too. Turkey's membership of NATO and location on the Black Sea makes its cooperation critical for Russia's war in Ukraine. So Russia wants Mr. Assad to make peace with his foe, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president. That would require Mr. Assad to facilitate the return of Syrian refugees from Turkey and start reconciling with the Turkish-backed rebels in Syria's north. But so far, Russian efforts to push Mr. Assad to accept a political settlement have come to nothing. Will the sun shine red in Florida? On Tuesday, Floridians will head to the polls in the state's last major primary of the year.
Turnout and voters' choices in the Sunshine State, which has drifted towards the Republican Party in recent years, will be a gauge of the Democrats' prospects in the midterm elections. Watch who Democrats choose as their gubernatorial candidate to challenge Ron DeSantis, the Republican incumbent. The most likely choices are Charlie Crist, a former congressman, or Nikki Freed, the state's commissioner of agriculture. But neither has the campaign chest nor the name recognition to beat the popular Mr. DeSantis, who is among the top potential Republican presidential contenders for 2024. Floridians will also pick the Democratic contender for the Senate. Val Demings, a former police chief in Orlando, is the only candidate who could mount a meaningful challenge to Marco Rubio, a Republican and the current senator, in November. Polls that show her leading against Mr. Rubio have encouraged national Democratic donors to pile in. The first whistle blows for Ukrainian football. When Russia invaded, football, like so much else in Ukraine, ground to a halt. Foreign professional players fled the country while many of their Ukrainian counterparts enlisted. Clubs used their infrastructure to provide humanitarian relief. But on Tuesday, the ball will start rolling again. The Ukrainian Premier League, the country's top football division, returns for a new season. Fans will not be allowed in the stadiums, which will be fitted with air raid shelters to protect players and officials in case of Russian shelling. The restart is a calculated risk to help small clubs struggling for revenue, but it is also a boost to the country's morale. The opening match will be played between FC Shakhtar, a club exiled from the Russian-occupied province of Donetsk since 2014, and medalist 1925 from Kharkiv, a city bombarded by the Russians. Shakhtar will probably win that match. But this year, survival, not football, is the name of the game. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. What was the traditional nickname for IBM based on its logo? Monday. What is the traditional title for an adult male Mormon who has taken the lowest office in the Melchizedek priesthood? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mahatma Gandhi. Victory attained by violence is tantamount to a defeat, for it is momentary. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.